0: We're going to do um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is all about? Love. Is it really? Good question. That's what everyone says, love. And everyone makes it about love. But I want to, I want to say, yes, it is about love. But there is, there is a reason it's about love. There's a reason. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. We want to thank you for what happened at 9 o'clock this morning and the families that, that, that don't know you that were here and heard about Jesus. We pray that every heart will be opened, that every mind will be open, Lord, and that you will come to them and meet them and they'll know you as Lord and Saviour. And God, as I speak now, you'll help me to remember what I prepared. And God, you'll give us hearts and ears to hear what you're saying because we don't don't want this to be another message, but we want you to speak to us and we want our lives to be transformed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do you believe that? You want your lives to be transformed? Yeah, amen. I do. Amen. I do. On Friday, I was at, um, just two days ago, I was at the beach. I did a bit of, I do that every, most Fridays. Go to the beach; it's good for me. Helps me de-stress. I did exercise, and I got back to Wanda Beach, and I do some stretches on a park bench. And as I was stretching over a park bench, I, over, I overheard a conversation between a man and a woman. They weren't married, and they obviously just met each other. And they asked a the question around, um, "How many children do you have?" It was that that sort of level of conversation. And the man said, "Oh, we like oh, we only have one." And wow, that's all we've got. You know how hard it is to go to the shops with one kid. If we want, if I just want to go and buy a loaf of bread, I've got to load up the, the, the child in the car, and then I've got to get a toy. You've got to get a nappy bag. Got to get the pram. I've got to do all this stuff. It is so hard. One kid is enough. And then he went on to say a couple other things. And he went on to say, "Man." we never have any more kids. My life is so different. I can't do what I want to do anymore because of this kid. Now, when I heard that, I'm like, I'm about to, I thought three things. First thing is, I need to talk to this guy. I've got three kids and it gets easier. That was my first thought. Second thought was, you're not very grateful. And, the thought, and, my, and my third thought, and this is where I want to go today, is, dude, you're making it about you. It's all about you and not about this precious child that God has kindly, kindly given you. And, and, and it made me think of what God has been doing in my life over the past four or five months. And I shared this story in the past where I was, again, on another Friday sitting at the beach reading through Galatians, and I was saying, God, speak to me. God, what do you want to speak to me about? And I encourage you, when you're sitting with God, you get your word open, God, speak to me today. And, and in Galatians chapter... If you've got your Bibles, it's not on the screen. Look it up. Galatians chapter 5. God took me to, well, I was reading through Galatians. Funny how God, I I always ask him what's next, what's the next book he wants me to read, and he normally tells me, and then I read it. Galatians 5 in verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Love your neighbor as yourself, verse 14, verse 16 so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that, so that, you, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And, and the Lord showed me this, this, this conflict that I have within me between following or being led by the Holy Spirit and satisfying my own flesh or my own nature, which is my sin nature. And when I saw that man talking about his only child, and I had that thought, dude, it's all about you, that made me think of what the Lord's been talking to me about and how I am self-centered, I am selfish. My mum told my wife that before, no, my wife, my mum told my fiancé that before we were married, Nathan. Michelle, Nathan is selfish, you need to know that before you get married. That was the, the, I remember that. That's something I would remember, and if it's not true, it doesn't matter because you don't remember anyway, but I remember that. Um, and, I, and I am selfish, and I, and I am self-centered, and I do want to satisfy me and, at the, and, and regularly at the extent of loving God and particularly loving others. Let me uh, give you some examples of, of how this is true. Um, I have a problem with sugar. Anyone else have a problem with? No, it's not good. It's not good. So I, I love I love chocolate biscuits, I love ice cream, I love cherry ripes, I love Cadbury blocks, and now they put the price up at the two fifty. It's actually cheaper to buy the three fifty block. <laughs> and work that out, and then it was on half price, three dollars fifteen a couple of weeks ago, and I bought three. I've got a problem with sugar, and I, and, I, and I think the Lord actually challenged me on my sugar intake, and, and, the, and the reason I exercise is so I can't eat sugar. That's, that, that's not a good thing. Um, but sugar's actually not good for me like, like that, and, and, and I'm not actually honoring God by eating this excess sugar because I'm not treating myself well. Is it, is it, is it, has anyone been convicted this morning so far? No one's convicted. Here's the second one. Putting myself first. And this is a really about loving, lack of love for others. So um, my, my kids go to bed about 7 o'clock. aiden has gone a bit later now. And Michelle is brilliant. She's a brilliant parent, my wife. is a brilliant parent, great with homework, and are great at putting the kids to bed. And she has a routine. Read the Bible, pray, read a book, go to sleep. Now, I'm okay with the read the Bible, pray bit. But reading a book, oh my goodness, I hate it. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. it. Sitting at home, and uh, Alicia, take daddy read. Oh crap. All right. And it's long. So Melody said it's a long book. So you know what I do? Because she's only three, she won't know. I skip. I read a page, skip three pages, read the next page, skip three pages to get to the end faster. Is that bad? (laughs) That's bad. Now, (laughs) <laughs> that's right generational <laughs> curse um, and, and, and so what's happening is that I don't, I don't know why I, don't, I, I could give you I, I won't tell you that story this morning but like in me there's this desire not to read to my kids I don't want to do it I, I just, it repulses me for some reason but that's the flesh that's the old self that's this Nathan all about Nathan thing and by me Not reading, running downstairs as fast as I can to get out of it and allow allow Michelle to do it. I'm not actually loving my kids in the way they need to be loved. I'm putting myself first and not them first. I'm loving me rather than loving them. Anyone convicted? Melody? No? All right, good try. I tried. Third thing, third thing. After a big day, this is going to convict some of the men. After a big day at work, i love to come home, sit in front of the TV and go to channel 24, which is like news all day long. I, I, I like that. And, and then Michelle is bathing kids, cooking meals. And instead of me saying, Michelle, what would you like me to do? I'm happy to sit on the couch. Again, that's Nathan centered. That's me following the flesh and not following love for my, for my wife. Anyone convicted at that one? Thank you. You know, all these things, these three examples are all about me pleasing me. The first one, Sugar, is not, is, was, was about me pleasing me rather than pleasing God. And the other two were about me pleasing me rather than honoring and loving my kids and my wife in the way that I should. And you know what? I don't think I'm alone in this. Like that, that man at the beginning when I told you about his kid, and he's all about him. And I said, I'm about me. And I reckon that many of us are about us. Because in society today, society is making it all about me, my agenda, what's best for me, what's comfort in life, what's have the nice house, have the nice kitchen, has the latest, do the renovation. Channel 94 has got all these renovation shows, which are really cool. I like to watch them too. Um, Make your house nice, get nice clothes, make it about you. And you know what? We need to love ourselves. The Bible says that. We need to actually treasure ourselves. We need to look at ourselves and go, you're awesome. And now people find that really hard. You've got to look at yourself and say you're awesome because of who you are in Christ Jesus. You're his workmanship in Christ Jesus. But when that changes into selfishness at the extent of loving other people, when that turns into life's about me, well, it is, but it's actually about Jesus and loving his people, we can get things around the wrong way. And that can be true in... It could be a thousand things for you. It could be greed, the desire for more, to be satisfied. You could be addicted to something. You could be watching pornography or struggle with lust. You might have ungodly relationships. It might be the way you speak to people, the way you treat people. The food you eat, you're telling lies, holding of grudges, all things that don't, that all these things are about you and and not loving people in the way they need to be loved. And so, where am I going with this? Well, we're, going to get, we're about to go to 1 Corinthians 13. But before I do, I want to take you back to our main passage for this series. That's the third time today I've clicked and it hasn't worked. We need to get that fixed. This is our... There is a new screen on the back. Everyone turn around look at that screen. How cool is that screen? I can't quite see it today because of these things hanging from the roof. But it's uh, very good. I can actually read it. How cool is that? Therefore... If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Here's the love people bit. Ready? Here's the love people bit in blue. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. I'm going to read that again. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. The interests of others. And we talked about being a unified church and God's blessing. One of the keys is to treat people well. Treat people well. How do you do that in blue? Blue. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, in that, um, in, in, we're about to read from um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and, this, and, and these next few messages that Ken's done the last two weeks and what I'm doing is all around treating people well. And it's really interesting as we read this passage in 1 Corinthians The reason Paul writes about love here is because they weren't treating people well. They were self-centered. They were all about themselves. It's actually in the context of spiritual gifts. And they were using their gifts, saying, my gift's better than your gifts. I want to push my gift to the front. I want to ignore your gift. They weren't treating people well. Let's have a read, and then we'll do more, more on the context. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says this, and this is read at weddings, isn't this? And they they always start with, which just fascinates me. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, and every unbeliever in in the church is sitting there going, what are they talking about? Yeah. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Can someone give me a sound effect, please? Thank you. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give on my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that am I may boast? In other words, it's all about me. Look what I did, everyone. I was, I was persecuted for my faith. Aren't I awesome? But do not have love, I gain nothing. Verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now you've heard this talked about at weddings and about love, and it is this little lovely bit here on love, but it's not actually about love. It's about the way they were to treat each other within the church, specifically around the gifts of the Spirit and how the gifts were to be used. In two words, this passage tells us your motivation in using the the gifts God's given you. So we could talk specifically about the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts, which is about tongues and prophecy and faith and healings and miracles and interpretation of tongues, but make it bigger than that. God's given us more than just those gifts. Leadership, mercy, giving. The gift that God has given you, make it personal for you. This passage talks to you about your motivation in using your gift, but also the method in using your gift. Your motivation, why do you use the thing that you use, and the way to use that. And the answer is love in both cases. Now... Um, Corinthians, we find out about Corinthians back in Acts chapter 18, where Paul goes to Corinth, the whole chapter. Paul spends about 18 months in Corinth. He goes there. He preaches the gospel. People get saved. He starts a church there. And he fathers this church. We, the, the commentators say most likely Paul wrote four letters to the church in Corinth, of which we have how many? Two. Two four letters most likely, of which we have two where, where he writes some instructions about how to live and how to act and, and, and if you've read through 1 Corinthians particularly 2 Corinthians I think they're the, some of the hardest books to get through in the New Testament, they're just hard and go, what's going on here? And, and, and as you start to read 1 Corinthians you find out that the church is in trouble in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 7 he says you've got spiritual gifts the charismatic thing, but Wow, you're messing it up in lots of other areas. 1 Corinthians 6, I think, talks about lawsuits, how this person in Stephen, Sue, and Daryl because, and Bernice is Sue and Melody because there's lawsuits in the church. The story of where a son is having relationships with his stepmother, sexual relationships, he's having sex with his stepmom. Uh Father, son, son having sex with his stepmom. Paul says, no deal. Not okay. They're getting drunk at communion. Now, they didn't do communion like we do communion. They had a meal. They went to someone's house. They ate. They had four cups and they ate. They had a feast. And, and people were getting drunk and they were putting themselves in front of others and saying, people eating too much food, so people missed out and it wasn't a good thing. And then... There's another, there's another story where he tells around food. And he talks about how some people have who struggle with food that's been sacrificed to idols or even pork and stuff that they couldn't eat as Jews. And people who are, who are young in their faith that struggle with food, these so-called mature Christians were eating the food that, they, that was right to eat, but it was making these people fall down in their faith because they weren't ready for that yet. And there's a massive lesson there for us. And Paul says... Don't, don't do anything that's going to bring, bring your brother down. And that's the stuff that was happening in this church. And over and over again, and they were rejecting Paul and his leadership and he had to write about that, the, the, the our church is in a mess. And so Paul comes in pretty heavy. And if you've got your Bibles, if you look at 1 Corinthians 11, he makes this statement about the things he's about to write. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17, he says, you get your Bibles? please, Bibles, phones. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17, it says, In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Ha! I'll read that again. So this is our um, 9 o'clock service this morning, everyone. Well, Lifegate Church, I have no praise for you for your 9 o'clock meeting, for your meeting did more harm than good. Imagine if he said that to us. That's not true. It was awesome, 9 o'clock today. But imagine if Paul said that to us. Your meetings do more harm than good, and then he talks about the communion feast. And then in chapter twelve, verse one, now let me speak to you about the use of spiritual gifts. He says that when the spirit's given, no one can say Jesus is um, no one can say Jesus is Lord but by the spirit. So you have got to be, have the spirit to be a Christian. And then in verse four, he talks about how there's different kinds of different kinds of gifts. And in verse seven, it says, "Now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for what the." Good, the benefit at all, or the common good. The reason God gives gifts is so that you will benefit, that I will benefit, that we'll benefit each other. And then, Paul, down in in verse 12, he talks about the body. And he talks about a physical body, and the hands, and the feet, and the fingers, and the head. He says they're all important. If one part's not honoured, the whole whole body is affected. If one part is not working effectively, the whole body is affected. So he says, "This is the truth of the spirit. This is what the spiritual gifts are there for—the common good." Then he says, "Each person in the church, and each, and each gift is important." And then he lines them up in chapter thirteen, which is on the screen, which says, "If I speak," actually, I didn't do this slide. I was supposed to. You know, I said before, "Your motivation and your method need to be love." I had a slide for that. Sorry about that. Moving on. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Then he goes, If I speak in the tongues of men, if I speak in the gift of tongues, speaking in tongues, but do not have love, gong, gong. So if, if God has given me that gift to speak in front of the church and, and, and there's an interpreter there or whatever, but if it's about I'm going to speak in tongues and, and so that you think I'm awesome because I've got a gift and because it's going to make me feel really good, but if I don't do it with an attitude of honouring you, with having someone with a gift of interpretation, someone that's going to build the body, well then, gong, it's useless. And then he says, if I have the gift of prophecy, and not just a little one, a massive one, I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. I'm a superstar, I'm a guru of prophecy. And, and what if I have faith? I believe God and I trust God, like Charles Pretorius or Heather Andrews, those faith people you know in our church. I trust God, I trust God, I trust God that can move mountains. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. You know, it's easy to say, I've, 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 I've got a word from God here for the church today. But the reason I'm saying it is because I want to stand at the front and I want you to say, you're awesome. Wow, you hear from God. Aren't you good? And, and wow, do I feel good after I've shared it? It's about you, not about the people that you're supposed to share it with. We're talking about the motivation, friends, and the method in using the gifts that God has given us. He goes on and says, if I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship, in other words, if I'm so kind and look what I've done and and I haven't given my possessions because I love you, but rather I've given them to feel good about myself and for you to say, well done, Nathan, aren't you really good? Waste of time. Persecuted. I'm going to get persecuted and, 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 I'm, and, and my motivation is not to love people. It's about me getting persecuted for my faith. Well, you're not going to gain any... I gain nothing. It's about inheritance in heaven. Motivation and method needs to be loved. Now, my wife tells me when I was about 20, I was... Verse 1, 2, and 3. I was... I'm a task over a relationship. If you don't know that yet, I'm very task. And when I was part of the church, I was a part of, I, I, can't even remember exact, I can't even remember examples, to tell you the truth. Masturboli music, Masturboli kids program, Masturboli youth ministry, I don't know. And I was so focused on getting it right, on doing this well, that I would give feedback to people. And it was strong. And my wife would say I would squash people with the feedback I got them. Because my motivation and my method was not love. My motivation was, let's do it well. Task. It wasn't really about loving them. Now, some 18 years later, hopefully that's changed. And now I give feedback because I love people and I want them to flourish. But I was like this. And if you were like this, you can change too. Paul says... We've got to use our gifts with the motivation to love and the method, the way we've got to share things, is love. And then he goes through this big list. Now, I, I, did, a bit, I did a bit of research on, on these words and I want to take you through them. You know, for the, for, the, for the church in Corinth, it was all about them and about the individual rather than the group. For that man back at Cronulla Beach on Friday, he was so passionate about himself and him, his life and his way that he struggled with his kid. And I reckon we all struggle with that at some point, at some level, where it's about our comfort, it's about our satisfaction, and not about others. So then Paul, Paul then shows them in verse 14, actually chapter 14, the next chapter, he says, Follow the way of love. Follow the way of love. I love that. But back in this passage, he says, um, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. That's in the end of chapter 12. And then he talks about the method and the motivation. The first thing he says is love is patient. Here's a definition of patience. Bearing provocation, annoyance, Bearing annoyance, bearing misfortune, bearing delay, oh, bearing hardship or pain, with fortitude and calm, without complaint, anger, or the like. Holy dooly, I'm in trouble. Anyone in trouble? I'm in trouble. Let me read that one again. That was, that, that was, the, that was the biggest one for me. This is, this is for me. Love is patient. Patient is bearing provocation... Annoyance, misfortune, delay, hardship, pain, etc, with fortitude and calm and without complaint or anger or the like. Love is patient. Who takes out the bin at home? Does it happen at the time that you want it to happen? Is the house clean like you want it to be cleaned? Do the kids get the stuff done that you want done? You can create a hundred things about being patient. Does your partner change as quickly as you want them to change? When we're loving, we allow, we're slower, oh wow, we, we go through stuff without getting angry. Let's go to the next one, that's enough, seriously. <laughs> love, is, lo- love is kind, kind, <laughs> it's going to get easier. Kind of a good or benevolent, I don't know what that word means, of of a good nature or disposition as a person. Having a good nature. It doesn't envy. Envy is a feeling of discontent or covetedness, wanting what someone else has had, someone else has got, with regard to another's advantages, success, or possession. Envy is a feeling of discontent or covetedness with regard to another's advantages, successes, or possessions. Now, how do you feel when your friend does better than you? When they've got the house that you want, they've got the car that you want, they've got the job, they've got the life, they've got the money, they've got the health that you want. Four, love doesn't boast. Boasting is to speak with exaggeration and excessive pride, especially about oneself. When everyone at work is telling, telling, telling each other how good they are and how, they, how, how they've succeeded in the team and, and, and what they've given to the team for the teams to succeed, and you want to butt in and say, well, look what I've done, that's boasting. Love doesn't do that. That's proud. What I'm up to, proud. Proud's next. Love's not proud. Proud is having, or proceeding from, or showing a high opinion of one's own dignity, importance, or superiority. I read that again. Proud is having, proceeding from, or showing a high opinion of one's own dignity, importance, or seniority. Love does not dishonor others. Now, dishonoring is to not be honest. Dishonoring is willing to lie willing to cheat, willing to steal, not worthy of trust or belief. That's dishonouring. Love does not do that to others. Love does not cheat, lie, steal. Love is not self-seeking. How are we going? Love, are you following it through? Love is not self-seeking. Self-seeking, you're putting your own desires above others. Even when everyone, everyone else is doing it, the guy at the beach, your pastor, um, the media tells you to do it. The Brexit vote. Can you say that? No, I just did. Maybe that was a good thing. I don't know. Love is not easily angered. Anger is a strong feeling of displeasure and and I can't read that word. I just leave that out. A strong feeling of I can't read this and belligerence. Belligerence is the word. What does that mean? There you go. Not, a, not in accordance with what is... oh no, the wrong one. A strong feeling of displeasure or belligerence aroused by a wrong. You know, when people keep doing the wrong thing, the president of the soccer club keeps getting it wrong. There's this guy. This has been recorded. Forget it. Um, <laughs> he keeps getting it wrong. He keeps bringing up my manager and saying the game's off, and it's not really. Oh dear. Not easily angered. <sighs> love, love, love. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Oh dear. Love keeps no record of wrongs. N- is not in accordance with wrong is the things that are not in accordance with what is morally right or good. You know, when you are having a discussion with your partner and they're saying to you, you didn't do this, and you didn't do this, and you did this, and you did this, and you didn't do this, and it's not good enough. Now, the normal thing that happens inside us is, well, I'm going to tell you what you didn't do. You remember? <laughs> Love is saying, allow them to finish. Yes, dear. <laughs> and uh, get on with it. Talk gently. Don't bring up the past. It doesn't help. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Evil is not in accordance with what is morally moving on or good. Love protects. Protecting is to defend or guard from attack, invasion, loss, annoyance or insult, cover or shield from injury or danger. You know, friends, we are called, as parents, we're called to protect our children. Love protects them. Trust. Reliance on the integrity, strength, ability, surety, etc. of a person or a thing. It's confidence. You can be confident in someone if you trust them. You know that they're going to say what they're going to do. Love, trust. Trust your partner, even when they've let you down. Trust your leader, even when they've let you down and they will. Trust. Love, trust. Love, hopes. The feeling that what is wanted can be had or that even events will turn out for the best. That is hope. Believe it is going to work. It is, this is relationship is going, to rest- is going to be restored. This person can. That's love. Love perseveres to persist in anything undertaken, maintaining a purpose in spite of difficulty, obstacles, or discouragement continually, sorry, continue steadfastly. Love perseveres. It keeps going. Even when the times are tough, even when the people around you aren't giving you what you need, even when you're being treated poorly, love continues on. And finally, love never fails. To fail is to fall short in anything undertaken. Maintain a purpose in spite of difficulty, obstacles, or discouragement. No, I've read the wrong line. Let me say that again. That was perseveres. Sorry, say that again. Never fails. To fall short of success or achievement. In something expected, attempted, desire, or approved, love never fails. You know, even when your kids grow up and they say, "I hate you," haven't had that yet. I think Michelle has. Yeah, she's said that. And when they become adults and they do their own thing and they reject you, love never fails. You know, when we uh, read this passage at a wedding. It's in this sense of gooey gooey, I love you, kiss the bride, everyone's in love, emotional thing. That's not the context here. This isn't about making, this isn't about emotional, what's that, is it? What a, what a, what a, romantic, that, thank you, Daryl. It's not about romantic love. This love is talking about, what is it? It is a choice. This love is a choice. You can choose to be patient. You can choose to be kind. You can choose not to bring up the past. You can choose not to be easily angered. And when you do that, you're treating people well. If we're going to treat people well, friends, our motivation and our method needs to be love. In your marriages, in your families, in your businesses, in your ministries, in the soccer club, in the PNC, in the playgroup. If we're going to treat people well, the reason why we do something and the way we do it needs to be love. As we close this morning, What is one thing you've been convicted of? might have been ten. Choose one. What's one thing this morning that you've been convicted of? That's the get real question. What's the thing? The take action question is what are you going to do about it? Let's pray. Spend some time with Jesus one-on-one. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the area where you need to change where your motivation or your method need to change so you can treat people well. And then ask God to do a work in you so you can live the life that he wants you to live. Father, we want to thank you for this day and this time together. And God, we ask that you speak to us now. Convict us by your spirit, God. Show us the areas of our lives where we need to do where we need to love people differently. Take some time with the Lord. Ask God to give you the ability to live differently. Make your prayer specific. <laughs> the world would be the uh, world would be a much different place. And do you know how God? Changes the world. Do you know his, his method? One person at a time. And who does he start with? His church. Starts with his church. We treat people well. The world gets transformed. Thank you, Darrell. Something like it. If, if you like prayer this morning, please come, come to the front. We'll pray with you. Otherwise, be released. Thank you for listening for so attentively. Have a great week. May your attitude, may your motivation, and your method be love. Amen.